Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Backyard Tabletop. My name is Jacob. I am here with my very, very good friend. That's me, right? Yes. Okay, that's me. I'm Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> I just pull like like someone else from out yeah, of frame, like this guy. Also, <laughs> also, uh, also, Curtis is here. You know, whatever. <laughs> oh man, it's so good to be back. It's so good to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons again because this is kind of, you know, up there in our. I would say in our top three favorite things of all time favorite things to talk about at least that's for sure yeah that's true that's true um if you know, are favorite just things jo- of all, favorite things of all time is like my wife it's nothing else it's just that that's yeah. it <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> i think i'm with you there not your wife my wife but i i totally, <laughs> totally get me uh if you are just joining us uh we me and my good buddy we sit here and we talk dungeons and dragons typically we go over uh our weekly games as curtis is in a friday night game and i am in a saturday morning game two different games that we uh still like to talk about still like to keep each other apprised just because of scheduling and stuff and last time it was me so uh, we'll be jumping over to Curtis's uh, story today. See what's going on. I'm gonna uh-huh. put these guys on now, so I can. Yeah, yeah, probably should do that. Well, if nothing else, just to look profound. We all know they're not plugged into anything, but yeah, it's... it just looks wrong if you're doing a podcast and you don't have you know overhead he- headphones on your yeah. On your head, it, oh, you know, th- that's a very good point. And then like also be able to show your mic in frame. I think is a very mm-hmm. important detail yeah, as well. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um yeah, well anyway, before we move into that, I I did have a quick question, you know, we do like yeah. to talk about D&D a lot. And um and uh I was really curious because we both play D&D, we both run D&D quite often. Um and now, you know, we're starting to look into other formats and other games and things like that. Mm, I was yes. really Yes. Something I've been thinking about a lot is like homebrew rules for D and D, and like where they come from, and like why people use them and stuff like that. And what made me start hmm. thinking about that was that um, I've been trying to learn the Pathfinder system a little bit lately. I know you've been looking into it as well. I I have I've I've been dabbling, been dabbling. I've recognized that some of the rules that we use as like homebrew rules kind of come from Pathfinder a lot of times. Yeah. Um, I was, that just kind of made me think about it. And I was curious, like, do you have a, I don't know if like favorite is the right word, but, but like, what do you think is like your number one homebrew rule? That's like, if you're playing in a game, you really want to make sure at least this one thing is implemented that's not in the main rules. Oh, that that's a very good question. And and I think you're onto something there. I do think that like homebrew rules homebrew rules either come from other systems or like previous editions of D&D. Right. Well, I you think know? I think the reason a lot of people pull stuff from Pathfinder is because Pathfinder took an older version of D&D and kind of made it a little Mid-end. better and kind of perfected it a little bit. So I think that's why people take some rules from it. Cause it's like, it's kind of like getting the best of both worlds, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like one that has been pretty much in my game since the very beginning 
is the health potion is a bonus action. I think a lot of people use that one. Uh, in the rules of fifth edition, it's supposed to be an action. Yeah. But it just helps streamline uh, the game. That's one that I've used since day one. Um, but there's there's definitely a few others. Uh, I and I think they're you they're all being used actually in in your game of Curse of Strahd. Um, flanking yeah. being a plus two is one instead of just granting advantage because there. I, I like that one because one it stacks with advantage. That one comes straight from Pathfinder, actually. Y- yeah, and and yeah. and that that was. Uh, that that's actually a very good point that was something that actually did dawn on me it was like their flanking rules comes from that it's also it's also not optional in pathfinder it's just a thing mm-hmm. um but so so that's one that i like because um it it when it stacks but it also just feels like instead of just giving the players another like advantage just seems a little bit too strong in my opinion when it comes to flanking just just to be able to get on the other side of an enemy suddenly gives you advantage, you know, for the barbarian doesn't need to use reckless. The the rogue can can always get sneak attack. It's just one of those things that just gets... Yeah. Maybe not old isn't the correct word, but I, I like the plus two. And then the one that's recently been something that, that we've done in Curse of Strahd, and, it, and it's made the game scary, but also it feels really good is the... Uh, the critical hit rules that we yeah. use. Yeah, I, I I know there's already another thing called brutal critical, but I call it brutal criticals because the other brutal critical that uh, barbarians get it, I think, right? Oh, uh, I think half orcs get that, don't is they? Is it a half orc thing? Um, but in any case, what what we do for this is essentially, I one of the things I hate the most in the world is rolling a natural 20 on an attack and dealing less than your like even average damage on an enemy because you roll two ones on your damage dice. Um, instead, what I do is you don't roll two dice. You just roll your one die like normal and you just add the full number from the damage dice onto your normal hit. So if you roll a D8 on your damage and you roll a critical, you start with eight damage mm-hmm. and then you add everything else to that. Yeah. Or if you roll a D4, it's... you start with four. To, so it automatically gives you a huge boost a, a to your huge attack. Boost. Rogues just do insane damage. Paladins do insane damage. It feels, it just feels good. Um, yeah, and and so I like that one a lot, and it's also scary because sometimes when a monster gets a critical hit, that's like like forty well, eight. Yeah, um, that's the thing. It's <laughs> like it, it's great for you, but it's also dangerous because everybody gets it. It's not just yeah. players. So that's that's spooky. Uh, just to it is a half orc thing. It's called savage attack. Uh, when you score a critical hit with a melee weapon attack, you get to roll an additional weapon die uh to the uh for extra damage to the to the damage and that is a that was a barbarian thing it's a half orc trait oh it's a half orc trait what the Mm -hmm. what am i thinking of anyway it doesn't matter um uh in in any case that's that's one of my favorite ones that i use for sure i don't know if it's the one that i would be like this has to be in everything i do that's true because (laughs) 
Um, one, it also it can slow down. What if your players don't necessarily know it? They have to do a little addition for a second and be like, "Wait, hold on. Okay, I'm a rogue. Um, okay, that's twenty four. And now I add my dice. It can. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I get you. Um, man, that that's a that's a great question. Well, I think about it. Do you do you have an answer? You know, it's really hard for me to pick because it's also sometimes hard for me to remember what some of my rules are <laughs> <laughs> i think i think one of the ones that i like most is um advantage stacking so hmm. like if you let's say you get advantage from one thing um like you know because you because you did something cool on the way you attacked this guy you've been given advantage okay mm-hmm. great that's really cool but let's say that you know you also had advantage because of this silvery barbs or something right it's like oh well now that spell is wasted or the advantage i got from him is wasted right mm-hmm. instead i really like the idea that yeah you get advantage from the one thing but if there's anything else giving you advantage on top of that it's not pointless it just gives you a plus 2 to the final roll yeah that that's a that's a good one that's a good because one. Because then it's because then it's like you could stack buffs, but also it's like it's not it it feels really bad when two people accidentally get you advantage or mm-hmm. or just happen to get advantage two or three different ways in one time and only one of them actually matters, you know. Yeah. That's a that's a great one. Man, it's it's this is literally one of those moments where someone asks you a question and this is like a question you think about constantly. And then it's like, wow, my mind is completely blank. It's like when someone asks you what your favorite movie is, uh-huh. suddenly you have no idea what <laughs> movie yep. is. Yep. Uh, you know, I will say, um, so, since we've both been looking into Pathfinder, I've there's definitely ones I want to add in the future. And I definitely want to add what, like, because Pathfinder just does weapons right in my opinion. Yeah. The equipment and the weapons that you get in that game is just really cool. And and playing even Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous, the video game lately, just all the weapons that you get access to is and and they all have certain things that are good about them and all have like weapon traits, which is actually something that's like I I started looking into the Star Wars 5E game recently Mm -hmm. and that's something that was in those rules all the like a like a certain blaster will have a feature a part of it uh and it's something you get if you're proficient with this blaster that's Mm -hmm. something that the weapons get in pathfinder and i was like oh that's so cool because now there's like a little bit more like it matters more what weapon you pick if you are a fighter that wants to specialize in a spear you get certain things because of that spear right. versus the the barbarian that's focusing on a great axe because the great axe does some things differently. So that's something yeah. I think I would love to dabble in and, and add a little bit more homebrew wise if, you know. Yeah, wep- weapon traits are definitely a, a big thing. The amount of variance that you get in your weapons and that the the thing with Pathfinder is they built they built the system around like choosing your class and your race is not what makes your character unique 
that's what makes your character unique in 5e is is your class your subclass and your race right that's yeah, those yeah. are the only things that you can change that add the variants that make you unique mm-hmm. in pathfinder everything else makes you unique the the feats you pick the weapons you use all of those decisions are going to change how your character is played and perceived in the world and what kind of you know person they are and how they act and yeah the different tactics that you need to use you know and th- this is actually something i've been thinking a little bit about pathfinder in in my opinion basically just kind of figured out like you know instead of a player relying on on the role play of the players and the flavor that they want to bring to the game uh because you know you can play a fifth edition game and have two fighters in the group and they could be different fighters in the in the way they role play their fighters right right sure but pathfinder has kind of made it to where like so now we're going to add give you your flavor to your character sheet as well right yeah. so they kind of like almost mechanically figured out how you can go about making your yeah. fighter differently if that makes yeah, sense yeah well where where in D&D it's just flavor right you say i'm going to use this ability but this is how i use it it's like no 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 in Pathfinder, the flavor is the type of ability you use. Like right. whether you're using a tripping attack or a, or a full forced attack with your axe, you can actually do two different types of attacks Right there. You don't mm-hmm. just have to pretend like you're sweeping the leg. You just sweep the leg. Um it's very, yeah, it's very interesting. I'm not, I don't, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm here talking about like, this is why Pathfinder's better because of yeah, all this stuff. No. It's just, I'm discovering a new system. And so I'm mm-hmm. recognizing the differences and stuff. I still think D&D is going to be the system I actually play most of the mm-hmm. time. I'm, I'm not sitting here going, well, Pathfinder's so much better. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're moving over to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not a and, convert by any means, but no, I'm, I'm kind of in the same, I'm the, in the same boat at you. It is, it, it is cool learning a new system and seeing the creativity and cause yes, it is a very, very complex, crunchy game. Um, and I, I think when it definitely comes to like, we're getting a group of people together and like two of them haven't played D and D before, you know, or played a role playing game. I'm I'm not going to be introducing them to Pathfinder. I'm probably yeah. going to be using Five E B just because it gets us to the game a little bit quicker, and it gets us to understanding how that works. Yeah. Um, I, I I do kind of almost like this idea of kind of smashing the two systems together, yeah, to kind of make well, something that is different and unique for your table. I don't know. So I also wanted to bring up here. I I I had one of the things I wanted to actually implement as a new uh, uh, homebrew, not really homebrew because technically I'm pulling it straight from Pathfinder, but I really want to use the initiative rules from Pathfinder um, be- because they're very, very interesting. There's not there's not just an initiative skill check. Yeah. There is a initiative check that the skill it uses depends entirely on what you're doing when initiative starts. Yeah, that was um, really interesting. In general, this is this is the general rule for initiative. Generally, you use perception to mm-hmm. roll initiative in Pathfinder 2E. Um, and I think the reasoning behind that is like, how aware are you of what's going on and are you ready to react to it? 
Yeah. Um, whereas in in five e, it's initiative. It just is. It's just a straight a dex check. dexterity check. Yeah. Um, there's no getting proficiency in it or anything like that. You just roll a dex check for your initiative. Mm-hmm. There's feats that give you bonuses. Yeah. And jack of all trades, but yeah, yeah. nothing else so, really. So in general, it's like there's no way to gain many bonuses to that or for your initiative to be any better unless you just have a high dexterity. Yeah. Um, and it makes dexterity way more important than it really needs to be, mm-hmm. um, especially oh, for some classes. Like if yeah. you're a wizard, you want to go first so you can blast the whole room first before anyone gets to scatter. Mm-hmm. But- you can't because you're almost never going to have a high dex because it's almost worthless to you other than your initiative. Um, whereas with this, the other half of that rule is the GM might call on you to roll some other type of check. Um, and it says, for instance, if you were trying to avoid notice when initiative was called, you would roll a stealth check as your initiative bonus. Mm-hmm. Or... If you're in the middle of a social encounter and it goes bad, you might roll a deception check or a persuasion check to determine your initiative. Yeah. So you actually yeah. use your regular skill checks. So if if you're a wizard and you're trying to examine the bat, like you tell your DM, well, when we went into initiative, I was trying to examine the battlefield and, and uh, check where everything is so that I could go into this with... Uh, with you know an idea in my head and start getting my calculations in for my spells they might say okay then roll an investigation check for your initiative Mm -hmm. or an arcana check for your initiative if you're like well when we started this fight um, I'm trying to flip through my spell book and see what I'm going to use first okay roll an arcana check for your (laughs) your initiative roll right like I love that idea that that your initiative can change depending on how you're preparing for this fight. And and something that was really cool, because I remember when I was first got the the Pathfinder book, I was going through like that. It's like a demo demonstration. It's like this person says this and this person says this. It's like almost like a text uh, conversation yeah. type of thing. And it was one of them was making a stealth check who rolled like a, a 21 and the D, and the GM was like, okay, that's going to be your initiative bonus. Cause you were stealthing over here. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. So you, it kind of changes depending on the situation and, and even how you might be going about it. I love that, you know, cause it's one of those things where it also makes sense from a, from a perspective of, you know, j- just, just because you don't necessarily have good reflexes or good decks doesn't necessarily mean, you know, uh, you don't necessarily know what's going on around you and can't react. Um, well, and and something that I love about this is it gives more opportunity for... Uh, one of the things I hate in D&D is when it's like, I cast a spell. I cast a spell and start a fight. <laughs> right? Then it's like, all right, everybody roll initiative. And then that person mm. goes last. Yeah, because th- because they're yeah. a wizard, and of course they're gonna go last, right? Mm. Like, if you're the one who initiated the fight, you should at least have a good chance of being up there, right? So in that mm-hmm. case, if you're casting a spell to start the thing, start the fight, roll a roll a spell attack check. Roll roll your spell modifier as your de- as your uh uh 
as your check, right? Like, yeah. Or if if you're a barbarian and the way you're starting the fight is like, okay, we know there's a bunch of dudes on the other side of the door. What are we going to do? And the barbarian just goes boom, 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 boom <laughs> and breaks through the door. He should be able to add his athletics to the check, right? Right. Yeah. Like, great. Then he has a high chance of being up top and yeah. starting the fight like he did. That would be a great homebrew rule, actually. Just having it be up to the GM to determine it. Yeah, and it doesn't it, take much know, to implement. All, all you have to do is go, okay, well, um, how's everybody starting this fight? And then everybody yeah. tells you, and you go, okay, you roll up decks, you roll up athletics you roll mm-hmm. a arcana it, like and it almost could be less rolling because if you are a rogue already in like yeah hiding or or stealthing You're already stealth y- you already have that check. number yeah right you know if the barbarian knocks the door down he's already rolled to smash the door yeah so you know it, exactly it, it almost feels like it could um kind of speed it up a little bit i yeah, like that for sure yeah yeah that that's a great idea, Curtis. Wow. Yeah, and there was, you know, there was one other one that I was looking at um that now at this point I'm having a hard time remembering. <laughs> of that's course. That's okay. <laughs> um it was something to do with the with the rules about oh, no, so it was one that I one that a lot of people really have commonly started using is that um if you go unconscious and get brought back up, you're wounded. You, you have uh-huh. some kind of debuff for coming mm-hmm. back up because mm-hmm. there's this thing people have really started not liking about D&D 5e where it's actually optimal to never heal your party unless they go down. Yeah, that is something because, that happens, Because yeah. you're never going to match the healing. You're never going to match in healing what the enemies are, are giving out in damage. So you might as well wait till someone goes down and then just bring them back up real quick. Um, but... But that seems weird and kind of silly. So in Pathfinder, that's not really how it works. In Pathfinder, mm-hmm. when you're wounded and dying, they call it, um, you can be healed and you can be brought back up. But when you are brought back up from a dying state, you have wounds and they provide certain debuffs. I would actually be very curious to go look that up because a homebrew that I was using for for actually in, in the game that we were running, the city campaign, um, was if you guys went down and were brought back up, you got a point of exhaustion. Yeah. So that was something. I that don't think it's quite a, a as drastic as exhaustion gets. Mm-hmm. I think it starts around the same amount of you know uh, deterioration, but like exhaustion, you can just straight up die if you get oh, too yeah. much of that. So. Well, yeah, and it and it definitely. I, I know people have actually talked about. I think there actually one D and D actually has a different. Um, they're playing with like a different idea for exhaustion because I think a lot of people were complaining that exhaustion builds really fast. It's like the first point of exhaustion yeah. isn't bad. That second one's getting rough, but by third exhaustion, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm done tapping out. I'm uh, I need to go sleep for you know 48 hours um, b- before going adventuring. So I think they were playing that with that. So I would be curious to see how the the, that wound system would be because I actually remember uh, Dragon Age Origins had that where like if you, one of your characters went down, they yes. would come back up with something like it would be and like you, a, you'd have to heal it with a with like an actual healing kit. Yeah, yeah, and it was I I wish I could remember it was like I remember one was like 
your your it was like a a bruised eye or something like that so you got like like minus yeah. two to wisdom there was checks like a concussion, or something there was like a broken finger broken arm broken ribs all that kind of stuff yeah um so the way this the way it works in pathfinder is um if if you've if you've gone down to the dying condition and then you are revived out of the dying condition you have one stack of wounded mm-hmm. every subsequent time you go down and then come back up you gain a second or third or fourth or whatever stack of wounded and what that does is if you have the wounded condition when you're knocked unconscious you subtract the amount of wounded you are from your saving rolls mm-hmm. so if you have wounded two when you're knocked unconscious when you're knocked unconscious, you already have two failed death saving throws right off the top. Oof. So that's kind of how okay. it works. So if you're wounded Oof. three times, you just die the next mm-hmm. time you're knocked out because yeah. you auto failed three death saving throws. Now, I would also be curious because I don't know Pathfinder a whole lot quite yet, obviously, but I would be curious to see about how many spells or buffs um, that Pathfinder has when it comes to healing. Because, you know, on the flip side of 5e, you know, it, it, you know, it's optimal, it's more optimal to wait for someone to go down before bringing them back up because mm. there really isn't a whole lot of healing spells in D&D. It's like, sure. you know, those earlier levels, it's healing word, which is a D4, and then there's cure wounds, which is a D8, you know, and, and that's really about it until you get like, there's mass healing word, um, which is like a third level spell or something like that but that's fairly new i know withering bloom is another one or or boon wither and wither and bloom wither and bloom yeah that that's a that's a new spell that has come out that's a healing one that one was from uh curriculum of chaos i think yeah so they're they're kind of getting to that point where there are more healing spells uh, and more healing options. I know there's a lot of cleric stuff that's really helping with that. Like the, um, like actually the one of the the warlock had the war the celestial warlock I believe has like a yeah. pool they can pull from, mm-hmm. which is like some healing stuff, which is cool. Yeah, um, yeah you I'm, know, I'm actually so, currently currently building a character based around the celestial uh, warlock because yeah. next campaign I run, I want to be the you know, the designated healer and stuff. And mm-hmm. when I look at cleric, I'm just like, <laughs> like the the life cleric is pretty good and it gives you bonuses to your healing spells, mm-hmm. but that's it. It doesn't give you like a, like a generic form of a way to heal people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than, well, their, their channel divinity, I think is like a pool thing, right? Yeah. But that's like, that's like, like 25 hit points once a day at yeah. that main level. And mm-hmm. as you go up, it's more hit points, but it's like once a day, like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a good heal for one dude one time, but it's not mm-hmm. like the best. Yeah. that That's a fair point. So, you, you know, I, I, I think to, just to, I, I love that homebrew idea of doing that. I feel like if I had a group where healing was more available to them or, health potions was a little bit more available to them. You know, I think I would be on that line of like, okay, 
I'm going to make going down a little bit harder for you guys. So you, yeah. maybe you use those abilities rather than just bringing something back up versus a party that is a bunch of, you know, fighters and and wizards and uh, warlocks. Well, and, <laughs> and it may not be, you know. And, you know, it, it also depends on the feel of the story you're playing, right? Like, yeah, in Curse yeah, of Strahd, true. I think I would definitely implement this if I was starting it again from the top, you know? I would definitely make this a thing. Like, the wounded feature and stuff, it just makes mm. sense. It it makes it feel more dangerous and more uh, hopeless, right? Like, mm. that's the point. Um, that, would e- that would even be an interesting idea for, like, almost like in certain areas of a map you you make death a little bit yeah hit harder like yeah. if there's a haunting or something there's like a haunted place that you go to or like the wastes you know there's a lot of like you know in my world i think i i called this area neglected because it was uh like a cursed land so yeah. i think every fantasy place has like some place that's cursed uh, that would be kind of cool when the players enter there well you have death hit a little bit harder like almost like the place is trying to I you actually know, saw one the other itself. day, and and gosh, it was on TikTok. I cannot remember which guy it was on TikTok, so I'm sorry, but um, their whole thing was like, there's this dungeon that's like plagued by a necromancer, and it like seeps away at your life force, and so when the dungeon starts, however many hit dice everybody has left is what they have, and every time you go down to zero hit points, one of your hit dice is automatically used to get you back up. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. But if you run out of hit dice and you go down, you immediately turn to ashes and you're dead. Oof. You just get hit with a disintegration spell. You just disintegrate. So like, (laughs) so like if you run out of hit dice, you're screwed kind of a thing. And it's like, he was like, you can even implement like, this door requires a toll of two hit dice. Doesn't matter who it's from, it can oh. be from multiple people, but to get through, you have to provide some mm. of your life essence to get through it kind of a thing. I was like, oh, that's a really cool like lich dungeon. That would be yeah. really fun. That's interesting. I that is kind of cool. And I, I would love a little bit more implementation of the um of the the hit dice in that way because it's almost like it's it is supposed to be like quote unquote like some sort of reserve that your character has right uh and eventually they're going to run out of it and it does get to the point of like when you're level 10 12 14 you know you 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 really don't aren't going to be using all of them unless you're like a barbarian and you you rolled really low or something like that yeah i don't know the couple times that we've played that high there were only maybe a handful of times that I remember using a lot of hit dice. So it would be kind of cool were, to implement it more. There were plenty of times I remember not ever being at full hit dice for like 12 sessions, but never when I felt <laughs> worried about not having any hit dice. Running out, yeah. Um, but, it's on, but the reason for that was only because you only get half of them back on a long rest, right? So right, it's, right. it's pretty difficult to get back to full if you're consistently using your hit dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I I think this is actually would be a very cool idea of just going through and be like, what 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 rules would be cool for us to yeah. pull and grab from? Because I I am a believer, a huge believer in you know your your table. You get to do your rules, and 
And I know not everyone is like that. I don't know if everyone is would be on that line of like taking your favorite rules and mashing them together. Uh, it's like, no, when you play Pathfinder, you play Pathfinder. When you play 5e, you play 5e. But yeah, I don't know. I, I like changing it up, making things a little bit more quote-unquote realistic. Well, and also just tuning the game to you and your group, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe your group isn't a fan of how weird it seems to, or, or how difficult it seems to take potions, or mm-hmm. like your group really hates it when they roll that one on their crit. Like, just just figure out what you can implement. Like, what I did for Curse of Strahd was like, here's all my rules. Um, we'll try them out for a few sessions. If any of these come up and you guys are like, wow, that seems not good, then let's go over it and maybe we'll get rid of it. Like, yeah, if, if it's it true. doesn't, if it doesn't fit for the group, then we'll change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. And you know, there, there is also something to be said. Uh, not everyone wants to learn a completely new system. Right. Um, and then, in that case, then you just start slowly converting them to a new system. And by the end mm-hmm. of the, you know, the long-term two-year campaign, you, you're you in a new system at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. By the end no of it, idea. you're like, well, thanks for playing my Pathfinder game. And I was like, what? I thought we were playing D&D. And it was like, oh, you didn't notice? <laughs> We've been slowly shifting all of the rules over to Pathfinder for the last they, two and a half years. They look down at their character, <laughs> character sheet and they're like, what? That would be, man, if anyone can pull that off, I would love to hear about it. (laughs) Dang, that would be awesome. Oh, man. Well, great, great question, Curtis. Speaking of implementing new and interesting things into your games. Yeah. Um... So I think it's my turn to talk about my game this week. It it is, and I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited to hear what's been going on. And so we're gonna we're gonna talk about the uh, the chase scene that we <gasps> went through in my game this uh, Art. two weeks ago now, but uh, uh, we'll go over this last week too. Um, uh, so uh, where we last left off, I believe. Uh, we had just finished our whole ordeal and had gone through some, uh, free time. And then, uh, I think I ended it by teasing that, that, uh, some rumors had been starting in the city about them finding the King's killer. Is that right? Yes. Yes. There, there is, um, some conspiracies going on, I believe is what I remember. Um, people are trying to uncover what really is going on. Um, cause I don't know there you, I remember you saying you had theories, um, yes. but you did not know who the, uh, who the, who the villain is. You guys really have no idea. And you're, you know, you're, you're helping the queen. I'm really starting to lean towards the queen's not great. Um, by this point, and uh, I'll explain why. Okay, okay. <laughs> Essentially, last last I left off here, we were in our downtime, and during that downtime, we were starting to hear a lot of talk in the city that um, apparently it was now known who killed the king. A lot of people suspected the queen, mm-hmm. thinking that she poisoned him just so she could get the rule, all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, 
Now there's this rumor going around the city that the person who killed the king was a uh, an artist that had come in assassin. to paint Ooh. to paint the king's portrait for his birthday. Um, and now the uh, basically what happened was a guard, uh, a royal palace guard, came forward after being interrogated and after uh, uh, not being able to live with the guilt. Essentially, came forward and said, "I let this person in." I knew what they intended to do, and I did nothing about it because I got paid really well. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. This person is a, uh, a, a fairly young woman who was a, uh, a new up-and-coming artist that the king had petitioned, or not petitioned, uh, commissioned to uh, do a, a new portrait of him because his birthday was coming up. Um, and I think when we started the campaign, it was like the day before the king's birthday or something. He died like either on or right after or right before his birthday, which is like a Aww. holiday in the city. Um, and so she was brought in to do a portrait for him. And basically what this guard said was um, uh, she poisoned the drink that he was drinking while she was doing his portrait. Mm, um okay and so once she finished the painting she left the poison took its effect shortly after and the king passed away um and this information was just now starting to slowly leak into the city now i am curious how did dip uh go about portraying that did he just in that five day um, downtime you guys start hearing these things or did no, we, one of I, you guys I, I kind of gave him an in because what my character likes to do on their off time is take walks in the city and through the markets and just listen, just try and feel how the city is feeling because it's been in such disarray. He's yeah. trying to keep his ear to the, because he's, you know, he's real smart. He's real worried about the city. He's worried about things. His whole thing is trying to keep his ear to, to the ground and, and feel how, how the city is feeling kind of get the feel for like whether things are dying down whether things are acting up whether more things are coming up and stuff um and so i rolled basically it was like an investigation check or an insight check um, okay and he gave okay. me that information ah okay so it's something that you kind of collected over a period yeah. of days type of thing okay and then cool. you know eventually okay. it became so big like everybody was talking about it and so at that point it was pretty obvious but i gained that information a little bit early i think mm. it would be kind of cool if your character almost starts getting a little uh group of informants right kind of like the i know a guy situation yeah yeah <laughs> that's really cool um, i like it i think technically because of my background i can do stuff like that but um in any case uh, so that rumor had started going around that they know who the person is and now they just need to catch her. Okay. Shortly thereafter, after these rumors have started, now it's getting big. Everyone in the city's talking about it and we're asked to come into the guard post again. Um, Cressida Croft is there. She brings us in. She's the big honcho with the guards, all that kind of stuff. Um, she says, uh, she basically gives us the lowdown. She says... I'm sure by now you guys have heard about this whole thing. They think they know who did it. And she goes, here's what I'm worried about. This person needs to be properly interrogated 
and have their guilt properly found, whether it is true or not, by the by the by the courts. Like the it courts, actually yeah. needs to happen. Mm-hmm. We need to know that she actually did it. And she's like, what I'm afraid of right now is because the city is in such uproar, they're going to find her and there's just going to be a lynching. She's not going to get mm-hmm. the chance to have her innocence or guilt proven. Okay. Um, okay. So she's like, here's the deal. I've got some info that I have not let out yet. I know where she mm-hmm. is. I want you guys to show up there first and get her and okay. bring her to me directly. Do not give her to any other guards. Don't give her to anybody else. I need you to bring her here. Now, this is kind of huge right now. It like is. putting a lot of, like, you guys would be able to do so much with this. Yeah. I love it. So, her whole thing was like, I'm not really for the queen. You know, I'm for the city. Right. The queen right. has told me what to do. I'm thinking it seems a little fishy. I want to find out what's actually happening. I want her to be interrogated by people I trust and I know aren't going to just mess around with it Mm -hmm. um, before anything actually happens to her. Um, She's like, I haven't let this information out because there are plenty of guardsmen here who are just wanting to do their job for the queen and get it done, and they'll do whatever they want. Okay. Also, there's uh, these things called um, uh, death knights uh, around the city. Um, and they're basically paladins of these orders that are incredibly uh, lawful and incredibly. Um, Do you mean hell knights, or is it hell something knights. different? Yes, yeah, sorry, hell knights. Okay, not death knights. I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, hell knights. They're they're, they're crazy. Um, they're they're <laughs> paladins yeah. of these orders that are super, super, super lawful and super direct under the law that they use, and it's mm-hmm. always lawful. But it's not usually good. <laughs> um, a lot of times it's neutral, um, but sometimes it's evil. I, I think actually majority of the time it's evil. Yeah. Now, it could be different depending on the area. There's even some that are completely atheistic orders. They're not towards any oh, of the that's gods interesting. or anything. They're just, they're just hell knights and they're just people that they just have this law that they follow to a T. There's one hell knight order that actually does follow... They don't follow any one god. They follow these five gods, and they only distill all of their most lawful tenants down into one tenant form that they follow to the T. That's um, interesting. Yeah. Hell Knights are pretty cool. Yeah. Really cool order. But the order here is called the Order of the Nail, and they're essentially mercenaries. Like, their okay. lawful tenant is um, essentially their whole thing is don't, like society needs to remain um, lawful, essentially. Their whole thing is like keeping societies above the ground. Don't let things deteriorate into animalhood, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like we're people, we're above that. We need to keep things lawful and, and societal. Um, yeah. And but, but the thing about them is really anyone can get their services as long as it attains to their law and they'll do, you know, so technically right now they're not necessarily working for anybody, but their whole thing is like, yeah, if this person killed the king, they deserve to die because the king is what holds up the society here. So we'll find her. Right. Kind okay. of a thing. Um, so they're also on the lookout for her. 
Um, okay. So our whole goal is like, don't let anybody know about this. You go get her before anybody else. I'm going to give you this information. Don't let anybody else know it. Uh, so she basically gives her, uh, gives us her address. Um, okay. And tasks us with going and getting her before anybody else does. She's like, now in like an hour and a half, I'm going to give my <laughs> whole thing and basically say, this is where she is. Let's go get her. So that's about, you You don't have a ton of time. Like, you've got some time to get her before the rest of the guard gets there or this information okay. reaches anybody else. Mm-hmm. She's like, if I found this out, then other people have too. So, okay. Um, so, oh, the other thing she mentions is that uh, the queen is uh, not happy with how the, uh, oh, I did this last time too. The the group of guards that like fly the hippogriffs over the city. Oh, right, right. Um, she's not happy with their how they've been doing lately, and so she's going to disavow them all. She's going to get rid of that ooh, whole order. Ooh. Um, now. And instead of them, she's going to bring in her own personal set of people, her own personal guard to take over their position. When I heard that, I was like, oh, so this is a coup. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Sounds good. All right, now I know what's going on. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, the very first thing thing you do, absolutely, when you're trying to seize power is get rid of the only... Like, like not mercenary, but the only like military group that isn't completely faithful to the throne, get rid of them mm-hmm. and then bring in your own people. Right. Oh, dear. That's, yeah. Like, like, that's exactly what Palpatine did. He's like, yeah. the Jedi are the only thing that are keeping me. I'll get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm free to do whatever I want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I mean, from from also just a, a logical point of view. I'm like she she could spin it in a way of like no I'm I'm doing this because uh I need to make sure that like yes I am I am innocent but I need to make sure that I'm safe so what I need mm-hmm. to do is re reform the guard because uh mm-hmm. all of them were loyal to mm-hmm. the king I need people that are loyal to me the king isn't here anymore well, you know I could see that also being a thing it's kind of cool what's also really crazy is technically those that group of guards, that that military force, the one person they answer to is the like the house carl of the castle. I think I said that last. Okay, time, right. I think so. Now yeah. the way their order works is if that house carl dies, basically the commander of the whole group becomes the new like house carl of the castle, right? And okay. then takes over the lead. Now the interesting thing is. That house Carl has been missing since the day the <laughs> okay. king died. He has not been announced dead. So nobody can take his place. But he's missing. Okay. So they don't have any leadership. They don't have any they don't they can't do anything. They don't have any way to do anything. So it's like they've been held in this limbo for a while and it's like, yeah, if they got an if he was pronounced dead and they could get a new person in power, they could fight this. But they can't right now because there's nobody in power because he hasn't been announced dead. Oh. So I'm like, 
Oh, that's smart. Oh, okay. Dots are connecting. Yep, I get it. Okay, all right. Queen's bad. All right. Okay, here we go. You know, that's that's how I'm feeling. That's how my character is feeling right now. I don't know about anyone else or if it's all true yet, but those are my theories. You know, if um, if you ever do uh, do one more commission, just you know, if you have some extra money lining around to get one more commission, you should totally get your character's art done in like the that meme of the guy that's like uh, pointing at the the Pepe threads Sylvia. on the there wall. There is no Pepe like, Sylvia. He doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, I've I've literally um, I've said that his room is very 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 tidy except for his bed which he never makes and a big <laughs> bunch of stuff on the wall where he's literally connecting dots with lines on the wall like that's he's that's actually incredible. putting stuff together anyway so she tells us go get this person bring them back here don't hurt them don't do anything we just need to prove if they did it or they didn't do it. Um, because if the if the city or the the Hell Knights get a hold of her before you guys do, there's going to be a lynching, and we'll never know. Yeah. Um, we head off that direction. On the way, my character brings something up. Um, Cal looks at the rest of the party, and he goes, "You know, I know we've been told to do this, but let's think about it for a second. What is going to get this city back to health faster? Mm. Is this person being Lynch all the city needs to go back to normal and for people to think, okay, justice has been done. Everything's good now. We're all fine. Is that all they need? Because if so... Oh boy. Cal's like, I'm kind of okay with sacrificing one innocent person so we don't run into a civil war in three months. Mm, okay. Um, and the rest of the party's like, uh, absolutely not. No, never. That's the worst <laughs> idea I've ever heard. And he's like, okay. Uh, uh, especially our cleric, who's, you know, uh, played by my uh, my wonderful wife was like what <laughs> like i'm sorry i'm not letting an innocent person die just because it's gonna bring a better oh. outcome for for the city like and oh, cal's like no. the you know the 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 many outweigh the one right like yeah, the like, greater good like what if this one person dying right now in in unjustly prevents hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands of people from dying three months from now when the city goes into all-out war because everyone's still unhappy, right? Like, mm. maybe that's yeah. better. Um, Nobody's okay with it. He goes, all right, well, whatever. <laughs> um, We keep going. Because at this point, he's not, like, for the queen by any means. At this point, he's pretty convinced she's the one doing all of this. She's trying to seize power, all of that kind of stuff. He's starting but, to make that like, oh man, this is probably how I would do it type of thing. Right, right? but he doesn't care about that. He's like, whoever's in power is going to be in power. Like, it doesn't matter if they did it the wrong way. Like, but yeah, maybe she doesn't deserve to be there. 
But that doesn't mean half the city has to die to get her out of her throne, right? Like, mm. okay, we'll just deal with it. Like, don't, don't, don't let the little guy suffer because she decided she needs to be on the throne. That's yeah. his whole thing. Cal's whole thing is always watching out for the little guy in the city. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, I love this city. I love the people in it. The people are what matters. Who cares what they're doing up there in their palaces? Keep these people from dying. That's what matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so is Cal's like like whole worldview actually very similar to the person that they're working for? The um no, um, the no. person that told because she's she's not really for the queen. She, she's for the city. She's incredible. Well, they're so the thing they care about is the same. They both care okay. about the city over the royalty. But right. She's, well, oh yeah, Cal was definitely willing to kill this person versus she who right. was like, no, I want she, to figure out if she's actually to blame. Type she of thing. is still like hundred percent lawful. So, so her perspective is justice needs to be done. Yeah. But it doesn't matter if it's the queen's justice. It's not the queen's justice. It's real justice that needs to be done. Okay. Um. So we need to find this person before anyone else does to prove the guilt, not have it be a kangaroo court. Um. Whereas Cal's thing is like, justice is decided by the people who rule the city. Yeah. Justice doesn't matter. Law doesn't matter. The laws are made. Law. <laughs> what is it? Brennan Lee Mulligan said in his thing. Laws are just <laughs> threats put in by the people who rule a per- per- particular city in order to keep the other people in line. It's like that's Cal's whole perspective. He's he's yeah. he's he's chaotic neutral. Right. Mm-hmm. So his whole thing is like personal freedoms are the biggest thing. Like. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not his job to make sure every single person gets the justice they deserve. It's his job to make sure that the most people don't have to worry about whether they're going to die that night. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what's more no, important. I think, I think that's a great, great point. It's like the people up there in their castles, they have no idea what's going on down here. Yeah. And I, I want to look out for the people that are down here. Yeah. yeah, the needs, and for her, for him, it's definitely the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah. If okay. something is going to make the city run a lot better and help the people here a lot more, and one or two people have to suffer for it, that's a no-brainer. They should absolutely okay. suffer for it to, to Cal. You know, that's his whole thing. Yeah. It's like, okay, if if I have to die to make sure 100 people live, kill me. Great. Oof. Totally worth it. Wow. <laughs> like that's his deal. All right. Um, All right. Well, hardcore, hardcore beliefs. <laughs> uh, we head to this girl's uh, apartment. Um, and on the ground floor, we're met by a nice elderly couple, and they're like, "Oh, are you <laughs> like we don't recognize you a lot. There's a lot of you here. What are you? Uh, what are you here to do?" And Cal's like, "Oh, we're just here to meet our friend. Um, don't worry about it." Uh, and then our bard comes in to see if he can get some info. And he's like, yeah, we're here meeting a, a, a blonde woman. Do you know her? And immediately they're both like, uh, no one here uh, by by that description really that I can think of. Um, Uh-oh. And we're like, okay. And so we start heading in. And immediately the woman, the older woman was like sweeping the ground, right? Uh-huh. And she reaches down to grab the bucket and kind of trips 
and knocks the bucket over. Okay. And Cal goes... And, like, goes and, like, looks back, like, wait. And I asked the DM, I was like, was that on purpose? And he has me roll an insight check, and I got really good. I think I rolled in the 20s, and he and he text messages me and says, absolutely, was on purpose. Ah. And so I step back out there while everyone else is continuing up through the complex, and I go talk to her, and I'm like, hey, look, I know what you just did. And I know you're probably trying to protect this person that we're looking for. Um, I can promise you we're the best chance of her getting out of here alive. Yeah. And being okay. Uh, and I rolled really good on my persuasion check too. And she was like, okay, I, I don't know much about her. We all really like her here in the building and we don't agree with all of these things that people have been saying about her. So we're okay. doing our best just to help her and protect her. She told me to give her a signal if people come up looking for her and that's what I did. And I was like, is there any way you can reverse it? Tell her everything's actually all okay. And she's like, Nope. And she's like, this is her room. You can try and catch her. Um, and so I book it inside okay. and immediately run past everybody. And I'm like, she's in this room and start running up the, <laughs> up the thing. Um, while I'm having this conversation, the rest of the group inside m- runs into two roadblocks that were set up to like stop people from oh. getting up. <laughs> Yeah, One yeah, of yeah. them is this guy who's just high off his kite, just okay. sitting there smoking Pathfinder weed, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he stopped. He's like sitting on the stairs and he's like, hey, you guys want any? He's like being all goofy, like talking to them and being like, whoa, you're so cool. But obviously like <laughs> playing it up to like get them to stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, Be a distraction. Mm-hmm. And our bard's like, sure, I'll take some. Hoping that he'll be like, <laughs> hoping that hoping that he'll get like friendly with him, and that that okay, that okay. will that will help him like let us go past, right? Yeah, um, yeah. He takes one puff and rolls like a three on his con save, <laughs> and immediately gets super high, um, and is just useless for like the next hour. Um, oh no. Uh, the way we finally convince him is our cleric is like, yeah, so you've seen, I'm a cleric. We're actually here to perform an exorcism up on the third floor. Can you let us pass, please? And the dude's like, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, he like immediately gets out of her way. Cause she rolled really good on like uh, a deception check. And so he freaks out thinking we're actually there to get a demon out of the building. Oh, oh my um, gosh. We get up to the next floor. She's all the way on the third floor. So we get to the second floor and there's a group of uh, performers all sitting on the steps blocking the way. And they're mm-hmm. like sitting there performing and like not listening to us and being like, why do you want to go? Like, what are you talking about? Just just blocking us off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and eventually we push past them, too. And um, we finally get up to the next floor. We go to her room. It's kind of barred from one side like she put a chair up against it. So our barbar- mm-hmm. our barbarian breaks it open uh, into this one little room. We step inside. Um, the window's open, but there's a woman lying on the bed. Oh, no. And so we all go over to the bed. We check it out. Everything seems fine about them. We can see them breathing. Um, in like the five seconds, split five seconds that we all walk into the room, uh, I glance out the window and I roll pretty decent on a perception check, and Dip says, 
you see the woman that's lying in the bed sneaking off across the rooftops. And I was like, that's not her. And I hop out the window. Um, and as soon as I do that, the illusion that was her on the bed goes and dies off. Oh, so that's everyone cool. else follows us out. Um, that's cool. So that's where the chase starts. Um, bum, bum, uh, bum. <laughs> it was really, really, really fun. This chase was really interesting. So we did it by Pathfinder rules. So the way it works is there's like, there's like 15 cards, they're called. And basically, if okay. you run this at the table, you will actually put out cards on the table, like oh, playing okay. cards. And each card face pertains to a different obstacle along the chase, right? Mm. Um, so the card faces all are different obstacles. Each one is assigned at the beginning. The DM or GM will tell you what each face means so you know what... So essentially, like... When you get from card one to card two, he says, okay, this card is this. Um, and it requires one of two checks. So each card has two checks that can be used to pass it. Usually one check will be a lower DC than the other. But if you're really bad at the one check that's a low DC, sometimes it's better to try the other check if you're better at oh, it. Um, that's so, cool. So it, it almost had some random randomization to yeah, the, so, so we're the like, skill check. We're running across the rooftops, basically. So most of them are acrobatics or athletics. Um, but every once in a while, there'd be one that's like, okay, now you can roll perception or athletics. The perception is to see the way, the path that you're supposed to go to go mm -hmm. through these like walls and stuff. And athletics is you just book a straight line and you just break through stuff, right? Um, and then sometimes there'd be ones that like, okay, you get swarmed by, uh, by these creatures. Um, you can roll an animal handling check to like, like die them down and let you through, or you can roll like a, like an acrobatics check to try and avoid them as you're going through. So every once in a while, it would give you an alternative to the physical check, mm -hmm. um, which okay. was great because we have two wizards. <laughs> Yay! Um, <laughs> so, any uh, of you guys have hold person? <laughs> no, no, we're way too low level for that. Or oh, still. no um, second level spell slots, huh? Uh, actually. Kit might have had one, but I did not, because uh, technically oh, okay. I'm only first level wizard so far. Okay. Um, yeah, no worries. At this point. So, um, this went terribly. <laughs> <laughs> and long story short, she got away. <laughs> oh, dude, she got away. Yeah, so the way Ooh. it worked was there's there's 15 cards. If at any point she is 10 cards or more away from you, she wins. She gets away, or if she gets to card fifteen and succeeds, she gets away. It sounds to me like you guys, your your really good rolls were getting to there. Yes, and then absolutely. right when the skill happens, you have yep. to like, oh yep. no, dude, this chase in real time lasted like two and a half hours. Oh, dude! Yeah. Wow! Wow! Yeah. It was intense. In, in game, I, I imagine it was pretty quick, but well, like, and, well, for and, you guys yes, at the exactly. run the tables, that and what you're talking about? Wrong. Okay. It was intense and fun the whole time, which I was surprised oh, yeah. by. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, God, we did that for two hours. Um, but it was it was really fun because basically it's not it's not it's basically combat, but much faster because you're going to one person. It's like, you know what check you have to make. Make it. You didn't succeed. Go to the next person. Like, ah, oh, so that's so cool. very quick. Okay. 
So, you know, if we all knew what we were doing at that point and there were like maybe one or two less of us, it would have taken mm-hmm. maybe an hour tops to get through the whole fight. Okay. Whole thing. No, that makes and sense. And also the fact that it did have to get all the way to the end of her leaving, uh-huh. it would never normally take n- anywhere near that long. Um, gotcha. Okay. The only one who ever even got close to catching her was our barbarian because he was just breaking through everything, just rolling athletics back and forth and back and forth and breaking through everything. Um, and he actually even got one chance to grapple her um, and she succeeded her check to get out of it. Um, oh. oh, no. And then got ahead of him. And then from that point on, he was rolling awful. Our uh. bard caught up to her, but he was so but- high <laughs> that he just thought we were all racing. So he just kept going past her. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, so, no. all in all... It was hilarious and really funny and uh, also terrible because we failed and we all felt terrible because we're trying to save this woman and she got away from us. Uh-huh. Um, so we all accept our defeat. We let the guard captain know we failed this thing and then we get two days of off time to like we can try and find her. We can do whatever we want to do. Um, okay. And we just finished those two days of time. Um, and we were, uh, approached by a guard that basically said, Hey, she's been found. Um, Ooh. but thankfully it was by the hell knights. So they are trying to see law done. She's been brought back to the palace. Um, Cressida Croft is going to meet them there. We'll see what happens. Uh, and that's where we left off. Oh, dude. Oh, you know, I think that's why I love Dungeons and Dragons and why the dice are so interesting. Um, they yeah. kind of, in, in a way, tell their own story. And I love that. I love that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think some sometimes we all just kind of get in our heads like, well, if I failed the chase, then I we have to restart. And I, I yeah, love the fact that yeah. you can fail, but how do you go about trying to fix it? Right? Well... And so I'm going to leave something at the end here. Last we left off also, uh, Cal had some uh, drugs in his possession that he yes. was trying to keep and, you know, convince himself he didn't need them, but like give himself the opportunity to fail because that's what's important to right. him, right? He was arguing with his sister about that. Yeah. Right. So he still had them. Um, after we failed this, he fell into a bit of a pit. Oh, no. Um, and ended up taking them on the day, on the last day, on taking the drugs on the last day before the uh, before the end of our downtime after the failure. Oh, no. Um, so next time we'll talk about how that ended up, too. Okay, okay. I look forward to that. Now, do you do saves for that? Does Dip make you do saves in order to withstand it, or was that role play? He doesn't make me. I tend to kind of decide whether he's struggling with it that night or not, and then roll a okay. check. And then roll a save. Um, and I'll roll like a wisdom save to see if he kind of... Because I don't I don't want it to just be like, what's best for him, you know, in my mind. I want there to yeah. be a little bit of chance to it. Like, this night, my thoughts really just get the better of me. And I just can't mm-hmm. yeah. deal with it. Well, and, and sometimes that's how addiction works, too. Is that exactly. sometimes, sometimes it, it, your will... 
and uh, doesn't doesn't yeah, withstand. And, and the trigger for it was like that that feeling of failure. He felt yeah. like nothing's been going good for him for a little while now, um, and he just needed to feel something good. He yeah. just needed some yeah. hope. Oof. Um, he needed some good dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so we took it. Uh, so we'll 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 talk about how that ended up. We, too last time, we can definitely time. talk about that for sure. Uh, I I love the story. Thank you, Curtis. You guys are a crazy lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For a high sure. bard and um, a, a cleric doing an exorcism. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. She did such a good job with that role play. It was so funny oh, watching this high stuff. dude like freak out, going like, "Yeah, yeah, go, yeah, go." <laughs> so funny. Good stuff. Well, thank you all so much for joining the backyard tabletop, where me and my good buddy just sit around and talk Dungeons and Dragons and talk about our stories. If yeah, uh, you like what we do here. Uh, you know, leave a like, follow us, do the stuff, and because uh, we come out with these every other Monday. So thank you so much. My name has been Jacob. My name's been Curtis, and I don't have anything funny to say this time, really. Uh, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you again, everybody.